Hi, this is Scott. And this is Ellen. And we are the Worshipful Company of Oddity Mangas. We like to think about the motivation and initial causation behind effects of phenomena. Often a curious story is a starting point from which we, after wondering about or laughing about it, delve deeper and try to dissect its various parts. We look at what is the true intention and motivation from this plant personal animal. What lays hidden beneath, underneath the visible and often colorful and exterrogated outer layer. When we circle in on that, we then ask ourselves, why is this useful? What is the purpose of this behavior or reaction in biological terms? What evolutionary advantage does this have? If it has one. Yeah, if it has one. Um, maybe it's just a variation of behavior, burnout of space and freedom and enough resources and time, like having a podcast and nothing else to do. Um, so does it serve a deeper purpose, one that gets us maybe a little bit closer to understanding the interconnectedness of life, the universe itself and everything in it with all its molecules, atoms and waveform electrons. So with that, with this said, welcome to our second episode. Last time I was telling stories about fanciful and one could say outrageous feasts and we were looking at this in terms of cultural context. This time we had another layer of spices and why we use them in almost every meal. So welcome and start listening. The title of this episode is Spice to Taste. Let me start by stating that spices and their level of spiciness are not random, not random at all. It's all about location, location, location. Like real estate. Like real estate <laughs> and like very long running, funny um, shows, TV shows in England and Australia. Okay. Okay. So it's the same thing. <clears throat> So, uh, geolocation is very important for the origin and also for the distribu distribution um, pattern of spices. Also not random is, generally speaking, our own enjoyment threshold or pain threshold for spices. What if enjoyment and pain are the same? I come to that later. Okay. Um, this threshold for enjoyment or pain or sadomasochistic tendencies um, depends heavily, heavily um, on the location where your genetic ancestors are coming from, no. came from. No, really? Yes. That's why, okay, so that's why Europeans, Northern Europeans and mid Middle Europeans <coughs> don't like a lot of spice. It's genetics. It's genetics. Okay. And why that is, I will tell you. Please tell me. Okay, but first, before okay. we delve totally into the deep end. Um, let's talk about what is a spice. So, um, What is a spice? <laughs> what is a spice? A spice is a funny thing. So um, the obvious answer is that spices make our, make our food taste good, smell nice, and sometimes even look pretty. However, this does not answer your, your and mine deeper evolutionary question um, about why are spices so appreciated. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the definition for spices is a spice is a part of a plant. So salt is not a spice, salt is a mineral. Okay. A part of a plant that means, for instance, a seed, a fruit, a root or bark of a plant. Um, spices are used in food preparations, medicine, religious rituals, mm -hmm. also in cosmetic or perfume production. 
they used their for their ability to flavor, color, and preserve things. Lovely. Lovely. Spicy. <laughs> Spicy. <laughs> so, why do plants produce those things in their bark, seeds, fruits, or roots? Okay. The reason why they do that is because in nature everything tries to eat everything else. <gasps> So, um, plants accumulate aromatic substances in those parts mm -hmm. to uh, try to protect themselves from fungi, pests, insects, and in general, everyone that wants to eat them. Okay. Or destroy them or build their nests out of them, whatever. So, um, especially um, mammals, or we, we are also mammals, um, it tries to protect, protect them from us. Okay. When we talk later about chili mm -hmm. and uh, capsicum, mm -hmm. do I, did I say that? Capsicum. Yeah. Capsicum. You will see peppers. that peppers. Well, we can talk about that. Yeah, very but this, this is a very obvious example yeah. for that. <clears throat> so you told me a funny story. You maybe tell it later again with the kakadus or the parrots. Cock cockatoos. I can tell you now. Well, maybe when we get to chilies. Yeah, so... Um, But you can you you can tell me now because um, I can tell you the um, the story behind why your uh, the birds that you tried to get rid of your veranda mm -hmm. did not at all flinch on your chili thingy. Okay. Well, well the, the story is I I lived in Australia. I lived in New South Wales on the. Uh, at a place called Kilcare on the water, and it was a beautiful house. I had a, a deck which looked out over the water, and it was a wooden deck. I had my barbecue there. Um, of course you had, because you're Australian. Australian. Of course you have a barbecue. <laughs> I noticed that there were some da some damage being done to the wooden deck, so something had been pulling it up, and it took me a while to find out there were two cockatoos that came regularly early in the morning and used to sharpen their beaks by gnawing at the deck and make, they did real real damage. They're big big birds, very big beaks. So I thought, um, how do I get rid of these guys, deter them? I um, made a, a potion. <laughs> I ground up some chilies, some, some, the hottest chilies I could find, put them in the blender, ground them up, put them in water and then made a paint and painted the deck with the chilies. Um, then... Then it was about a, a, a couple of days later, I got up early in the morning and found there were about 15 cockatoos all going at the deck now because they just loved it. Message from that is chilies don't deter cockatoos. And there was something I, I read um, a couple of days ago, also from Australia. They're doing uh, uh, mining surveys in central Australia in the desert and they're flying these drones big drone planes with several metre wingspan, they're flying across. And they're losing, they've lost about 20% of these planes, these drones, um, wedge-tail eagle attacks. So the, the eagles <laughs> are very territorial and they're attacking, they're bringing these, these drones down. Um, and they tried to have a, a spray, of, a chili mm -hmm. spray to... On, mounted on the plane mm -hmm. to if they attack they admit of course you can tell that's not going to work they just <laughs> love the stuff they're probably going to lose more than 20% if they keep doing that so that's my birds love chilies yes and um you can find this um not only with chilies but also with other things that um because plants need birds 
to distribute their seeds, so birds will not be affected by that. You know, um, so if a, I don't know wild pig or something eats a eats a chili pepper, it will like have the worst time of his of its life. But a bird is not affected at all. That shows you that um, evolution made it so that um, the the animals you need to uh, further your species are okay with it, and the other ones are kept away from yeah, it. It's sort of like a filter, you know, when you're yes. pig, pig eating. You're, it's not going to travel very far, yeah. but a bird will travel a long distance. Yeah, and also the seeds uh, um, lay, in, lay in the bird's stomach. Mm -hmm. They will not not get dissolved by the um, acidity and the, and the um, fluids there. Mm -hmm. And then the chili can expand. But I like the idea of, of a pig eating chili. That means you can have some really <coughs> spicy pork. So you feed the pig on chilies and it becomes really spicy. Just thinking about pork belly again, that's... Okay. Put a pin in it. Okay. What, the pig? <laughs> It'll squeal. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. So uh, what we get from this is that um, plants try to protect themselves with everything they have. Mm -hmm. And uh, aromatic substances uh, are one part of that. This is what they, what what the uh, researchers say. This is uh, also very likely, likely how humans um, catched on to this. So they somehow inst instinctively um, saw of, or um, um, saw this behavior and uh, said, "Let's try for ourselves." So without knowing it, um, they added this to their diet, mm -hmm. and they used all of the good things that come from it, like um, counteracting counteracting microorganism growth. Um, they could preserve their food better and they also could prevent food poisonings. The most effective things for that mm. are garlic, <sighs> onion, oregano, thyme, cumin, cloves, yeah. bay leaf, chili and pepper. Garlic's also good against vampires. Yes. Just saying. It is, but I don't know if there were vampires already. But maybe if there was a time for vampires, then it was then. Okay. We will never know. Could be yes, could be no. So those properties of the spices they used could kill or slow down the growth of most bacteria um, that were responsible for many foodborne diseases. Mm. For instance, the most uh, dangerous ones are Salmonella, Escherichia, Shigella and Clostridium. Also, a fun fact is that over the thousands and thousands of years of evolution, um, those bacteria got uh, developed resistance for certain chemical compounds, mm -hmm. but spices as well, um, or plants as well, developed, did not stand still. They also developed new um, chemical compounds. So it's, it's a co-evolutionary race and warfare, warfare that's going on here. So when it, spices uh, have their, their chemical property, properties that they have as a survival or propagation mechanism but it doesn't work against humans i mean we Doch, it, it works it works yeah. yeah that's why if you eat a very 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 hot chili yeah you're not feeling well in most of the cases most of the yeah okay yeah. but uh, humans were not the main you know Like spices, uh, like plants were like thinking about, I don't want to be eaten by the goat. I don't yeah. want to be eaten by the wild boar or pig. Yeah, okay. 
And they didn't, of course, not calculate with something like a human. With masochistic things. With masochistic things. Yeah. And, you know, and humans, like, also, they, they can prepare. They can they can cook it. Yeah, that's true. And then true. it's different. Yeah, okay. Or they yeah. can, you know, they can put in only a little bit and not eat a whole garlic. Yeah. Uh, garlic. How do you say garlic? Uh, uh, bulb? Bulb or a whole onion. I mean, some people do that, but it's not like normal. You, yeah, you, you wouldn't use, want them as your friends. Would yes, you? and you also don't eat the whole, like the whole bark of a cinnamon tree. Because then you would die, you yeah. know, because there's a chemical compound inside that you would die That's from. That's true. That. There's arsenic in garlic as well. So there's yeah. all these... these so, yeah. so humans use it like in moderation mm -hmm. um, and we, we profited by it by um, not um, dying from salmonella, for instance. Um, Bargain. Exactly. Also, what's very interesting is what I said before, um, the location part. So there are not not in every part of the world are the same amount of spices available or, mm -hmm. or the same amount of plants that produce those kinds of um, uh, substances. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Um, if the region is hotter mm -hmm. and in general more moist or more wet, mm -hmm. then you can imagine there are more bacteria. Bacteria. <laughs> bacteria. So... That's why... You don't get me when I'm getting a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, go, sorry. So. Okay, no, we, yeah, bacteria. We will get better at that part. Um, more bacteria when it's hotter yeah. and uh, the climate is like lends itself to like uh, rapid growth of anything. Um, so that's why, for instance, you find the most plants that produce the spices are in regions like Southeast Asia mm -hmm. or, um, I don't know... Closer, it, closer to the equator. Yes. Yes. Also, um, that those plants that you found there have also um, the, the the spices they produce are more potent. Okay. Everything that grows um, in Northern Europe is not that potent. It's not that not that plentiful, you know, because it wasn't the plant that needed don't needed that yeah. uh, in their uh, weapon arsenal, yeah, weapons arsenal to like um, survive. <laughs> they had other um, ways of doing that. Also, um, of course, humans that uh, ended up there um, used those spices more frequently than, than humans that ended up in like Scandinavia or something. And they needed that because it's hotter, meat spoils more quickly, mm -hmm. they don't have refrigerators back then. So it's totally logical that someone in Polynesia like puts like 2,500 things in his soup. You yep. know, there was actually a study done in 1999 and they uh, uh, looked at um, 35 uh, countries and scanned through a shitload of recipe books and came up with, uh, with, with what I said that that sounds logical but they um, made a um, scientific study yeah, out of it quantified and, it yeah quantified it so the difference I can show you right now between India and Norway so in India, the average uh, temperature is about 27 degrees. And there, they have 25 different spices that they com commonly use. Okay. And each recipe has uh, an average 9.3 different spices in it. Okay. In Norway, where the uh, annual average temperature is only 3 degrees, uh -huh. oh my God, I didn't even know that, 
they only have 10 spices that they commonly use mm -hmm. and each recipe only has two. Two. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. But they do have that horrible pickled fish. Well, do have that, that fermented fish. I mean, that's not spice. I'm, that's just, I'm not, just just saying. Yeah. Something about. Yeah, where they put more, they, where they put more bacteria in it. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, they have so few bacteria, they yeah. had to add more. Yes. So, what you can take away from this easy is it's hotter, more spices. Why? Why is that bacterias? Uh, um, yeah, look, we have to talk about bacteria in a later a later yes. podcast because they they rule the earth. They totally rule the earth. That's why the saying of um, Indonesia, Indonesian um, dishes are very hot, and Middle European and Scandinavian dishes are bland. It's a true, and that's why it is. It's not because they were not inventive enough; they just didn't have the okay. ingredients yeah. to and do they it. They didn't need the ingredients. Yes. Also, that means as well, of course, that it, it, it has an evolutionary um, influence. It has an influence in the evolution of the humans that live there. In general, general speaking, is um, those who appreciated in the early days spicy food lived longer and healthier, had fewer bacterial infections, and so could get more done. That means had more children. So your appreciation of spice has a evolutionary basis. Yes, also yeah. the people that lived in those climates where there were many spices, yeah, and when they then lived there, um, liked them mm -hmm. more than people that lived at the same village but didn't like so yeah. much spicy food, mm -hmm. um, had had more. Children, yeah, right. and so um, those um, this 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 love for spice mm -hmm. um, is encoded in genes, even. So um, wow. this is why what I'm saying is your appreciation for spicy food depends heavily, you know, where where your where right. your ancestors come from. So mm -hmm. my all of my ancestors come from somewhere middle Europe. So if I see a chili, I I. I'm, I'm running, you know. <laughs> so um, this is because all of my ancestors didn't need to love chili, you know. But there's also, I mean, there's got to be another component to this because in Australia and the US, there's a big love of chilies. I mean, I've, I've grown chilies. Uh, I got a bunch of chili seeds from the University of New Mexico, from Albuquerque, the chili institute there. Um, and I tried growing them unsuccessfully but i just love the chilies they're the really the the red and the green chilies i was in santa fe for a while and they were just fell in love with the food there in australia there's a there's chili is very popular and there's a lot of asian cooking in australia but there's um also the the anglo-saxon people who have a, an appreciation for, for chili. So there's got to be a cultural component as well. Yes, there is. Good. <laughs> no, just, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but before I come to the cultural aspect, I also want to, want to point out a very important part that I did not fully appreciate before the, doing the research on that, mm -hmm. is um, that um, spices are not, you know, are not only... In for like 
making your food more adventurous or mm. making it more like that you get a kick out of it you know in the in especially uh, um, in the time before we had refrigerators spices um, were very important to make food lasting to make food last longer mm -hmm. so the tribes that used more spices to preserve their food uh, were able to face better face uh, low flow periods so they could survive a winter when there was nothing else happening because they know? could pr preserve the food they could preserve the food and i think this is a very very important part um, um especially um When you think about the Völkerwanderung, uh, I don't know the word in English. Um, migration. Yeah, the, the migration. There's, like in But German, there's really a word Völkerwanderung that, that means the whole like tribes uh, tr wandering through Europe and like yeah, migrating to another uh, part, to like yeah. the, the, the Besiedelung. Human the, migration. It's, it's yeah. like we're the, yeah, they're like out of Africa sort of yes. thing. Where yeah, and, and those tribes were more successful that had better genes for liking spicier mm -hmm. food and so on and so on. Okay. So, that's, so that's how there is a distribution pattern, a pattern to see in the human genome and then you can see where you come from and then that's your appreciation and your likingness of spicy food. And then have a big bowl of chili. Yes, that's why most Mexicans, I would say, uh, can eat more, can food that it's more, um, spice, more hot mm -hmm. in general than middle Europeans can. Yeah. Yeah, so all of this uh, evolu evolutionary advantages, advantage moved across uh, generations by genetically, huh? as I told you, um, by um, in inheriting the taste receptors for them, yeah. but also culturally, culturally uh, to the to written and oral transmissions of recipes. Yeah. So the amount of pleasure you get by eating spicy food got passed down from your ancestors to you. Oh. Now, the point that you say about chilies mm -hmm. and you like chilies and you get a kick out of them. And my ancestors are German yeah, and Irish. This can have something to do with your uh, with your um, with your level of how you of um, of serotonin, of uh, adrenaline production. You know, mm -hmm. there's a there's a, um, a layer to that that um, people that like spicy spicy food um, are also more likely to do stuff like bungee jumping or so. So it's like a like a adventure. So it's a, it's kick a, it's a seeking. Kick, yeah. It's a kick seeking yeah. thing to do so that. It's, so yes. it's a, a serotonin. Yes. Yeah. endorphin thing. Yes. But I, we will come later to that when we when we talk more about chili and how we how we taste um, hot or cold yeah. or so we we come later to that. Um, um, what I want to say um, for this the, the last thing I want to say in in this part is that there's another very cool thing that um, the anti antimicrobial power of spices can be improved and humans do that instinctively. You can add, for instance, they didn't, of course, know that because they didn't have chemical labs. If you add, for instance, one second, lemon and pepper together, mm. lemon is ha lemon is um, lemon has an has an acidic quality, mm -hmm. and pepper um, can make this is a very hard word for me to say can potentiate the bio availability for microorganisms. What that means? <laughs> What is, does that mean? <laughs> Um, bio 
availability. Can you say that? Bioavailability. Okay, that means it increases the um, the, the properties of the of the medium mm -hmm. to um, assimilate good things. Okay, so it yeah okay I understand. So yeah. it makes the nutrients more accessible to yes. ingestion or or, yes. or, bio, or processing to yes. digestion or you can yeah 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 yep. so this is cool that if the if combinations of spices uh, can be even more can be even more useful if you as if you use them alone ah and so so for instance lemon and pepper or, or many other different different that's combinations cooking. That's cooking. in cooking are even more you know are even more better <laughs> I yeah. know that's not the right but not, not the right way to say it are even more better that's interesting because lemon and pepper a natural mm -hmm. combination I mean there's a lot okay. of recipes with that in. yeah and lastly even all of those things have good antimicrobial properties they are not suitable uh, for treating bacterial bacterial infections. Um, the concentrations that would be required um, for that uh, are too high. You cannot achieve that okay. through uh, spicing your meat with that alone. Okay, so yeah. So if you had a rotten meat, putting spice on it, it would not help. No, no. Then you would probably die. Yeah. But if or you, if you live and 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 if you have a very strong I don't know what in you against that, then maybe your ancestors will come up with a rotten fish sauce or thousand-year-old eggs that they put in, like you know, <laughs> the earth and let them decompensate and mm. make soya sauce out of it or something. Yeah, could be the starting point of that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, this was part one. In part two, we will talk about how do we taste spices and what happens. So now to our next part. We talked about uh, the evolutionary comp comp components to everything. Mm -hmm. Now let's get to the real thing. What is the real thing? How do we taste spices and what happens? Okay. Let's start by considering your tongue. My tongue? Your tongue, my tongue, like oh. human tongues. Okay. Um, what leaps to your mind, maybe, are the five tastes. Um, sweet, salt, bitter, sour and umami. Mm -hmm. um, these sensations arise when receptors on the surface of the taste bud cells are activated by your food. Mm -hmm. They are triggering nerve fibers that run to your brain and help generate the experience of a savory roast or a salted caramel ice cream, ice cream extravaganza or a fresh strawberry or some other things. But your tongue is more versatile than that. Versatile than that. Thank you. <laughs> it is also sensitive to temperature and pressure. And now comes the third thing, to chemicals that mimic both of those things, which turn up in the number of foods, especially spicy food. So they mimic temperature and pressure? No. Uh, yes, 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 yes. yes. They, you, you have the, the, the first dimension of, of, um, of taste yeah. are the five tastes. Sweet, salt, bitter, sour and umami. Right. The second dimension of taste is temperature and pressure. And there are... Chemicals that mimic temperature and pressure. Yes, and the third dimension of taste that mm -hmm. you maybe did not know about is called chemistesis. And this is what spices do, basically. And they do that 
by activating mainly two big nerves. The first one is called, uh, the first one is the fifth cerebral nerve. It's called trigemial nerve. Um, and the ends of this nerve uh, terminate in your nose, your tongue, in the coronea, in your teeth. And they perceive mostly uh, informations um, that are uh, described as tingling, stinging and pain. Oh, this is so if it's in the cornea, this is also why pepper spray will work mm -hmm. in your eye. Correct. The second nerve that is um, works works in works in this capacity is a very, very big nerve. It starts in your head, in your inner ears, and goes all the way around your your everything that's in your head, in your mouth, in your face, and goes down in your stomach. Um, it ends in your stomach and it, um, it's, its nerve endings um, touch almost every inner organ you have. So mm. this is a very, very big nerve. Um, and this nerve is called vagus nerve. And um, this is the nerve that um, is uh, responsible for um, reducing hunger or feeling hunger. And also it promotes the feeling of um, satiety. Satiety? Do I say this correctly? In Sa German, satiety. Okay, in German, in German it's called Sättigungsgefühl, mm -hmm. that you're full, that you cannot eat anymore. And also it, it can inhibit inflammation. Um, so those nerves um, are triggered by chemicals that are in spices um, and that do things to your body. Ooh. And then, of course, in, to your body, And the, um, the um, sensations and the information gets uh, gets um, transmitted to your brain, and you do something with the information you get from that. One of the strangest examples for that is the Szechuan peppercorn. So, the Szechuan peppercorn. You can imagine it's a, rot, a, a red hot thingy wotsy. Yeah, that's some Szechuan chicken. Okay, so. Um, you will know when you have it. You will know when it's sprinkled over your dish because your mouth will begin to tingle gently. And then it will go, will go curiously numb. This is because it, uh, it, it has a com compound known as Sanshul in it. This Sanshul com compound binds itself to channels uh, in the membrane. Oh God, I cannot read it. Can you read that please? <coughs> Scott will read that now, because I cannot. One of the strangest examples is a Szechuan peppercorn. You'll know it's been sprinkled over a dish because suddenly your mouth begins to tingle gently while going curiously numb. A compound known as Sanshul is responsible. It turns out that Sanshul binds to the channels in the membranes of the neurons in the tongue that respond to touch and is so producing a kind of tactile mirage. That sounds so cool. I could not have said it any better. <laughs> Can you read the next part as well, please? Yeah. Researchers rubbed the substance on volunteers' lips. How do you get that job where you're going, I'm going to rub this on your lips. Students. Students. Yeah, students will do anything. Mm -hmm. On volunteers' lips and then tap their fingertips tips with devices that can vibrate at various frequencies. When they were asked to say which frequency resembled the throbbing caused by the peppercorn, the answer consistently was about 50 hertz. That's what the power supply is. So it's like sticking your lips on a, on a power. Yeah. 
Uh, which suggested to researchers that a certain type of nerve was responsible for the sensation, one that is sensitive to that particular frequency, eigenfrequency, uh, yes. resonance uh, so characteristics. This, so this is what, what, what those chemical compounds and spices do. Mm. And this is the third dimension of taste. Okay, it's the mimicry of the... Sensei of, of physical sensations. Correctly. And so more examples of this, um, I will tell you right now. So it's, it's the same when you um, put mint, something minty in your mouth, mm -hmm. menthol or mint, and you feel the, a cooling effect. Yeah, like in um, toothpaste. Yes, in toothpaste or in chewing gum or in like um, ice bonbons. We have in Germany ice bonbons, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, gletscher bonbons yeah. or something. Um, Altoids in America. Yeah. Also, uh, if you drink carbonated beverages, you um, will experience a tingling sensation. But I thought that was because of the bubbles. No, it's because of that. Ah. Yeah. Um, or what's the what the bubbles, the chemical compounds of the bubbles, probably? Uh, it's carbon dioxide. It's, so it makes it a little acidic. So I don't know. Carbolic acid. Yeah. We will just let this stay here. Um, also, the tears that come from onion cutting. Um, when I cut onions, it's mainly because I'm sorry for them. Yes. And especially here, you can also see the, the plant, um, and what the plants did. Why, why, why is that? Why, why do we cry when we cut onions? Because um, plants that shed their uh, sulfurous compounds... Uh, when their tissues are injured, mm -hmm. those are the plants of onion, garlic, and mustard. Yeah, you know. So if you if you if you if you if an animal you know touches them mm -hmm. then or or, or or destroys them, then they the, this is their uh, weapon of choice. Yeah. Um, also. Sometimes with high-quality olive oil, you mm. have a scratching sensation I've, in your throat. I've had that. Yeah. Yes, this is the same. It's like it's also chemistesis, mm -hmm. third dimension of taste. Also, this is was very. This I found very interesting. Sometimes when you drink red wines, you have this um, fury feeling in your mouth. Um, um, this is because um, this is the the protection of plants. When they try to they try to protect their seeds that are not yet fully developed, mm -hmm. and this is when they when they when they produce this chemical compound that leaves when we drink it this furry, this, this furry. furry feeling of uh, pelzige Zunge mm -hmm. uh, in your mouth. This is also the same effect. Okay, yes, to try to protect them from humans or mostly to from bacteria, mold, and animals, yep. you know? So it's all about biological warfare warfare, and like spreading your seeds and, you know, doing mm -hmm. all of those things. Capsaicin. This is my last example for um, trying to uh, tell you about uh, chemistesis before Scott, Scott will delve deeper into his chili experiments on his balcony. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Cap Capsaicin. <laughs> Perfect. Capsaicin. As he said, what he said <laughs> is another non-taste. Um, and this is the burning, it's the burning of capsaicin. Did I say it correctly? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, the molecule that gives, uh, gives hot pepper their cake. Capsaicin binds to a receptor on cells that detect temperature 
and cells that send messages of pain. Now we're getting to your nice. thing. <laughs> the same receptor and related ones are also uh, activated by piperine. This is just a sidebar. Um, this is a compound in black pepper. Um, also, mustard and radishes like um, activate the same receptors. Um, that's why they are you experience them as hot. So, like um, uh, the, the, you get wasabi also in the wasabi yeah, also yeah, yes okay. yeah and horseradish as well. Yeah. It feels hot when you eat those, those foods because the receptors trigger they trigger are usually switched switched on at temperatures higher than 42 degrees Celsius or by acid. <laughs> Presumably, presumably, or not even presumably, uh, to warn us that whatever we put in our mouth are bad news. So, however, capsaicin, <laughs> I'm getting Perfect. better at yeah. it, and other hot foods won't damage your tongue. You can eat as much as you want. Until you pass out until you pass out or need to run to the toilet really quickly well that's the other thing you must have receptors at the other end too because if you eat a hot chili and then i cannot if i eat a little sidebar if i eat hot food mm -hmm. or something with a lot of even red paprika in it that mm -hmm. has is a skin still on mm -hmm. it takes like five till ten minutes and then I need to go to the toilet and I need to close the door and put the music on. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot, I cannot. It's like, it's like... But it doesn't burn. I mean, because often it, it, they say that it burns on the way in and burns on Sometimes the way out. Sometimes it burns also on the way out. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it it's burns, just, for me, it burns on the way out. It's just, yeah. it's just like it's an instant, like it goes through all... That's really quick. Everything. So yeah. it's like really, it's like a five till ten minutes thing. Like so, an express train. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no stopping, just no, straight through. No, yes. <laughs> um, so also, you may you may notice, in fact, that after eating a lot of spicy food, the burn won't won't affect you as much as the receptors eventually eventually stop responding so strongly to the compound. The phenomenon is called capsaicin desensitization. Another fun fact. Uh, is ethanol mm -hmm. can lower the temperature at which capsaicin receptors are activated. Ah, so if you so, drinking... Yes, this is why um, the reason why a shot of alcohol burns mm -hmm. is that ethanol lowers the, lowers the temperature um, sensitivity and that's why you feel this burning sensation. Wow. It may, it may also be why spicy foods Spicy food uh, can taste spicier if you're drinking warm, warm. booze with mm -hmm. it. And why ch uh, chilled drink is so satisfying. Mm -hmm. Last thing. I, I read, no, second to last thing. I read in my research that um, there's a difference how you experience or where, where, where you experience the burning of um, pepper and chilies in comparison to horseradish wasabi And mustard. So, so on different parts of the tongue. And different parts of your of your of your face, Ooh. of your of your mouth. So um, um, the um, uh, molecules that are in chili and pepper are more heavy, mm -hmm. so they stay on your tongue. But in horseradish, wasabi, and mustard, they they 
there are lighter molecules and mm. they travel up into your into your nose. Ah, and yes. Well, you, you can feel that. You have yeah. a wasabi. It, yes. it feels like yeah, it's yeah. up it, in it your nose. It goes in, in, you know, the the, um, the, the molecules travel upwards mm -hmm. into your nose and, um, and the pain receptors that are there get activated. Okay. That's, the, that's the same thing. The same receptors, but a different part in different your parts. face. Ah. Yeah. That um, is interesting. So... All of those things are, of course, not limited to your mouth. Those receptors are all over your body. Yeah, there you go. This is why it burns when you have a shit. I yes. Think. So um, the same receptors are also present in your skin. Mm -hmm. So if you were to bathe into Szechuan peppercorns, okay, you get the same effect. Ah, the tingling. Tingling ah. or burning or whatever so uh, most of us have experienced what happens if we rub our eyes or go to the toilet yeah, and touch our and touch our um, various parts with uh, when we had uh, when we handled uh, hot pepper or chilies before and it's a mostly unforgettable experience it is. It's same with that's how humans learn oh, i did not okay you don't <laughs> You don't have toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> toothpaste, no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yes. I got this from a BBC story about the hidden ways our tongue tastes spices. And the part before I got from two things. I got it from... The, the study was done in 1999 in... I don't know. I put it on the website. University. I, I put it on the website. University Lucerne. Yeah. I, I put it put, on, yeah, the, well, every, put all, on the website. Yeah, all the links will be on the uh, website. I put it on the website. Okay. So now we come to the fun part. This was all quite um, somewhat scientific. <laughs> I, I don't know. With me trying to pronounce it. <laughs> Peculiar. Peculiar. <laughs> Peculiar. And... Uh, Chemist thesis, chemist, chemist, thesis. You did miss one out. Yeah. What? Okay, this one. Uh, okay, there's one word I, 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 I didn't say because it's so hard. I even printed it in um, italic. So it's called alio, ali, ali. <laughs> Can you say it? Ali. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Allyl isothiocyanate. Say it again. Allyl isothiocyanate. That doesn't sound like a word. <laughs> it's a chemical word. And that is part of the... What part of the... Burning compound of muscle and radishes. Okay. I don't think that's important. No. Well, Might be to chemists. But if chemists listen to that, they will die. They will... Jump out of the window by like I think it's like that because of that. Well, then, leaving out 500 steps. Chemists normally between. work on the ground floor, so if they jump out the window, they don't get far to fall. <laughs> okay. Chemists don't get the top offices. I was a chemical engineer. Okay. I okay. know chemists. Okay. 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 They are hidden away in the dark parts. Normally in the basement. Where, where, where if they if they if they burn stuff or bring stuff to explosion. Yeah, it does. It doesn't do a mini, okay. minimum damage. Yeah. Okay, I see. Okay, so now um, we come to the... This was the more dry part um, where I tried to um, explain that spices are not 
the spiciness of spices is not random. There is a logic behind the geological distribution of spices and also why um, certain people like, you know, like more spicy food and why not. Mm -hmm. And now we come to the fun part that is Scott telling us about chilies. So maybe he, maybe you start with talking about the famous scale thing and then you can talk about the Carolina Reaper and the Trinidad Mor Mor Moruga Scorpion ah, chili. Yes. Well, the, the scale uh, of measuring the hotness of chilies is called the Schofield scale. And the way you determine that is work out how much water you can dissolve it in until you can still taste the, the spiciness. So the spicier it is, it's going to take more water that you can dissolve it in until you can actually taste it. So that it runs up to from zero, which is not spicy at all, doesn't take any water, until I think there's a there's an Australian one which is which might be the scorpion the the scorpion one um, that goes up to about two million to two point two million. So a bell pepper, which we will call a capsicum, which has no spice as a zero and Tabasco has about 1200 to 2400 and then the the monster chilies the ones that'll tear your face off are basically 2 million 2.2 million on the scale and these are the the ones the Trinidad Moriga scorpion and the Carolina reaper so pepper spray has 4 million so those those hardcore chilies have not even 50% less Mm -hmm. Than pepper spray that they use on police use on protesters. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, what? Why do you? Why do we? Eat? I mean, we've looked at the fact that it's designed to protect the, the the chilies and birds can handle it for they don't have the receptors. But uh, why do people eat them? Well, a lot of reasons. <laughs> for a thrill, uh, competitive chili eating. Um, it fires your adrenaline, like if the, if your your what was the chemo chemo chemo's chemistesis chemistesis. Thank you. Gives you the feeling of a, of a burning sensation. Then it fires your adrenal gland, and you'll be producing adrenaline. Ellen's written down here S and M sex. Mm -hmm. I never had chili sex. No, but it's the same. As they say, that's the studies say that's the same. If you want, if you like to have, you know, kinky sex that is like painful, mm -hmm. it's the same urge to eat very, very hot chilies. Okay. If you like to have electroshock sex or something, that's a thing. That apparently is a thing. Yes. Oh, okay. Well then, I guess. The, all right, chili sex. <laughs> um. I'm sure. I'm sure there are people that rub those things on 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 their genitals for to get a kick out of it. Oh, I'm God. sure of it. I mean, it's well, people do everything. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, we don't judge you. Yeah, no, you're fine. Just listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, endorphin rush, genetic benefits, of course, mm -hmm. and also the. Desensitization that you you start having more and more and more and you get uh, capsaicin desensitization and burn rates the same you've just got to keep it. you just like it more yeah yeah <laughs> basically you just like it more 
Apparently, there are a lot of YouTube videos. I haven't seen the videos. Yeah, I've seen a lot of videos in this research with crying men on in chili competitions in 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 the US. That they put like those chilies, like so. The takes, other thing must it takes, be it takes like it, it it takes a long time. So they 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 chew this for like I don't know five minutes. They chew the chili before they before they swallow it. Oh god! And they are like normal looking people. Well, they, yeah. Well, they look normal. Yeah, and then they do that, and I. And don't they, know. Well, I mean that's. I mean I like chilies. I'm not going to. I don't know what the my chilies. I had a um, a habanero. Which is really, really spicy, and I had some other ones. Uh, uh, New Mexican. Um, there was one called the Big Jim, I think. I had about five different seeds that I got from the the Chile Institute in Albuquerque. Didn't have a lot of success growing them in Europe. So, but the um, the reason I chose those ones is because they were nice, moderate chilies. They're really good. Uh, the the larger the larger fruiting chilies are, are great because you can stuff them with rice and beans and then bake them or whatever. Would I survive eating them? Nah. <laughs> nah. So. Okay. There are some great great restaurants. There's. Uh, in Santa Fe, there's a Coyote Cafe. I don't know if it's still there. This is years ago. And there was one at the station, Maria's, I think, one at the Santa Fe Rail Station, which did great margaritas and amazing chili. It was, they have this, um, the red and the green chili they call Christmas chili, so mm -hmm. you mix it together. and it's. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it. I was trying to recreate the, the dishes, never got a, around to being able to do that. But... Yeah, I mean, it's, you get chili. I think the Asian chilies are a lot spicier. I mean, just the general, in general, restaurant-style chilies. I even cannot, you know, if if we get, if, if so we do a lot of, um, in Germany, in Berlin, we have this thing called Kochhaus. It's um, the same, little bit the same, like what you have maybe in the US as Blue Apron or Hello Fresh, but it's a stationary thing and you go to and, and then you can select um, every week different recipes um, to take home with you. And we have one that's, that's very close by, so we go there every week and see what they have new. And... Their recipes, when they when they have recipes that have a chili in it, like a dried little chili that is like as half as big as my little finger, I only or ever use half of it. If I would put the whole dried chili in it, I would die. Yeah, it's like too it's too hot for I'd me. I'd put two in. Yeah, so I'm I'm really really sensitive to hotness. I yeah. I'm not proud of it. It is what it is. Well, it's genetic, apparently. Yeah, apparently. someone someone told me it was genetic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> My ancestors were living in like co very cold climates and had like very good in Saxony. In Saxony, or yeah, yeah or or, or um, I don't know. My mother's side comes from like Poland or something. Yeah, so cold places. Yeah, so they, they didn't. Don't have they a didn't. Lot of they didn't need that. So. Spices. Yeah. Okay. So okay, back to your chilies and to your well, that's about level it. of hotness. Well, no, that's that's about it. I mean the. The, the reason I eat them is because I like it. It is a bit of a thrill. Um, that's it. <laughs> what is your favorite chili recipe? Uh, I do have a favorite chili. And this is probably my favorite recipe of all time. Um, it's incredibly simple. 
it's great midnight snack after you've gone out drinking food. It's an Italian recipe. You'll find it in almost every Italian restaurant, but I prefer to do it myself because it's... That's how you roll. That's how I roll, because I like to bump the chili up. It's aglio olio and peperoncino. So aglio is garlic, olio is oil, and peperoncino are the, the tiny chilies. So the way you cook it is you boil your pasta. It's spaghetti. It's spaghetti. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. It's a spaghetti dish. So you, you cook your spaghetti, al dente, of course. Um, you put olive oil, heat the olive oil up, crush the garlic, or I, I prefer to slice it really thinly. Put the uh, garlic in the oil. And the, the important thing here is not to overcook the garlic. And then put crushed chilies or freshly sliced uh, pepperoncini in there and bring it just till the, the, the garlic starts to sizzle and then turn it off. Then take this, and then that's basically it. You take the spaghetti off, you put the oil, chili, garlic uh, mix over, mix it through. You can put sliced cherry tomatoes in there. That's also good. And then a lot of, I like a lot of Parmesan, fresh Parmesan grated, put it in and the spicier the better. It's amazing. The cool thing is there's an if you make too much of it at night, in the morning, take the leftover spaghetti, put it in a fry pan, fry it up till it's crisp, bird's nest style, and then crack a couple of beaten uh, eggs on it, uh, beat, beat the eggs, put it in, and make a spaghetti frittata for breakfast, and it's amazing. My stomach already hurts like hell from only listening to that. <laughs> Is it the chili or the garlic? Oh my God, I would die if I eat that. Oh, it's my favorite. Oh my God. It's my favorite thing in the world. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's horrible. So because I cannot, um, I'm allergic to garlic. So if I eat garlic, it's like, it's like I'm poisoned. So my, 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 my body cannot break down certain things that are into, that are in garlic, also in raw onion. So I would have, I would be in so much pain. But, but a good way to go. Though. No. <laughs> you never had those kinds of pains before. Otherwise you would not talk like that. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I cannot eat that. Uh. And also, um, um, If I smell garlic on someone, it's like, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, your loss. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for your, your genetic disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, it must be the garlic yeah. trying to survive or some sort of... <laughs> Maybe I'm a vampire. Haha. -ha! Those are my, uh, are my vampire genes. Uh, so your relatives didn't come from Poland. They came from Romania. Yeah, it could ah. be. Could be so, um, because they maybe further wandered from A to B. Yeah. So there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> It's the only thing that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> so one quick uh, funny story I found do doing my research. I want to tell you real quickly. Um, it's the uh, I was looking into uh, cinnamon. Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking I might maybe do something about cinnamon bark. Um, so it's a bark of a tree. It's a bark of a tree, but we may do this later. Cinnamon um, it's, um, it comes from Sri Lanka or Ceylon. Um, and it is like 
for thousands and thousands of years. But this is not what I want to talk about. Um, there is something um, I did not know that maybe you you, you know that um, there is cinnamon and there is not real cinnamon. So there is real cinnamon and then is, there is another kind of cinnamon. Faux cinnamon. <laughs> Faux cinnamon. Um, and it's called cassia tree bark. Cassia. Cassia tree bark. So most of the cinnamon that is used in the US, for instance, mm. is not real cinnamon. No. No, it's get out of it's town. Cassia bark, ground up cassia bark. Don't they have a authority to stop this sort of? Apparently not. So uh, cassia bark is um, comes from China um, or uh, Vietnam, um, and it's thicker and has an unregularly texture in its bark. Mm -hmm. So the real cinnamon you 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 will you um, you you can imagine is like a, um, a very delicate rolled up piece of. Uh, mm -hmm. Bark from yeah, a tree. Yeah, a documentary how they yes. make it. They roll it up. Yes, they roll it up. And but but this other uh, fake cinnamon mm. um, is like it's like it's like a piece of wood basically. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and so um, the funny story about that is in China on a very big river, um, there uh, live river people. That live on the river on like floating. That's probably uh, a good place for river people. Is yes, a river floating stems. They have their houseboats and yeah. so on, and they have tamed cormoran birds. Cormorans. Cormorans, yeah. um, and they use these birds um, to uh, hunt fish for them. So what they do, <clears throat> they put a string around the neck of the cormoran bird. So they can't swallow. They can't swallow the fish. Uh huh. And the cormorant keeps diving and catching fish and cannot swallow it. But the Chinese river people then take the fish out of the cormorant's mouth mm -hmm. and eat it. The fish. The fish. Not the cormorant. Not the cormorant. And the cormorant gets, um, after whole days of work, gets also a little bit of fish. So I don't know what Peter has to say to that. Um, <laughs> Um, but they showed a very interesting recipe, and I, after looking that, I was uh, watching that. I was very, very hungry. So Scott told his recipe for his uh, favorite hangover or after um, after, after drink. drinking food. So what they do is um, they uh, have this freshly, uh, freshly uh, out of the water fish, mm -hmm. put it in a pan with like lots of oil and fry it till it is crispy with the skin on. Mm-hmm. And then they put in a little bit of soya sauce and rice vinegar, a little bit of sugar and a little bit of ground up cassia bark. And then they eat it. And it looked so delicious. I want to eat that. Ooh. Yes. This is what I want to say. Cinnamon but fish? You would never think of a cinnamon flavor in fish. I, mean. I don't know. Okay. Also, fun fact or not so fun fact, if you eat high doses, mm -hmm. also if you eat lots of cinnamon, um, then it's lethal. Well, that's probably a not so fun fact. No, it, because it has a, it has a, a blood thinning comp uh, compound in it. Okay. So don't eat too much from it. Oh, okay. Okay, this is what I wanted to tell. Maybe not so good. Maybe you can cut it out. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, okay. So now... Oh, our words. 
So in each episode, uh, I will try and level the the, uh, the uh, playing field by uh, let's God pronunciate a German word mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make me look uh, that that doesn't make me look so stupid <laughs> with my uh, uh, English word pronunciation. And I found two very cool words for this two. episode. Yes, so I will tell them to okay. you, and you will. Try and say them back to me. <sighs> okay, so I'm ready. So I, you cannot read them, so I will put my paper here that you can Do see. Do I have it. to guess what they mean? You can. Okay. So the first one is Speisebohnenkäfer. Oh, that's easy. Speisebohnenkäfer. What is it? Speisebohnen is a, is a speise, like a, a, a food bean uh, beetle. It's a beetle. Yes. Isn't that funny? I did not know this word existed. Okay. But what, what, what's what, what sort of bean? Speisebohnen. A bohnen is a bean. Yes. Käfer is a beetle. Yes. Speisebohnen is just a fancy word of saying that. Okay. Cool. The second is Dörrobstmotten. Okay. That's harder. <laughs> Dörrobstmotten. No. no. Dörrobstmotten. Motten. Okay. Dörrobstmotten. Okay. It's a moth. Um, it's a fruit moth. Uh, dür, a dörrobst. I don't know what a dörrobst is. Some sort of fruit. Yes, a dörrobst is when you um, dry fruit. Oh, okay. A dried fruit moth. Yes, a dörrobst is a dried fruit. And this is a this is a this is something actually I encountered because I like to. Um, has is that, it, it lives in dried fruit. Yes, and it lives especially likes to live in my in my cupboard. It likes to live in uh, uh, dried um, dates. So I have always a staple of dried dates mm -hmm. in my in my uh, uh, cupboard because I like to put them into, for instance, goulash. Yeah, I, that's how I roll. And you put fruit in dates in goulash. I oh, oh my god! Oh I god, mean, this is another episode already. <laughs> yeah, so I like to put everything into goulash. Yeah. Um, um, especially dates. Okay. So um, and then sometimes I open the container and I find found those, find those little animals living inside yeah, it. Yeah, 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 but uh, normally they're in um, like flower. Um, yeah, but those are a different kind of oh, they're different, different. Those are especially, modern. those especially live in dörrobst, like dried fruits. Oh, God. But I always wonder, how, did they, how, did they get, how do they get there? How, how do they evolve? I don't know. Can oh, they probably evolve for, for getting a specific sort of fruit. Like, yeah, But how old. do they get into the dörrobst in the first place? Maybe they lay the eggs in the factory. Ah, could be. We need to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, also fun fact: <laughs> when I was on uh, on a website to find those words, there's a classification in German. Um, I have to tell you, and um, it was very funny. No, no German person would ever use those words. But there is something called Schädlinge. Lästlinge and Nützlinge. So Schädlinge, you can imagine something, someone that like uh, destroys stuff. Yeah. And Nützling is someone that is like useful for something. Yeah. But the third thing, Lästling, is someone who, it's an insect that is not like really destroying something, but it's lästig. It's annoying, like an annoying ling. <laughs> it's an, an annoyer. <laughs> yes, correct. So I did not know about those this classifi classification. Beautiful. It's beautiful. a beautiful language. Yeah. German. So, yeah. What yeah. can I say? Uh, <laughs> language of Goethe. Okay. Also. Yes. 
we didn't talk about Duka yet. Okay, let's talk about Duka. So the, the thing, um, <clears throat> how we got in the first place into uh, into the topic of spices at all is because um, there was a, uh, in our favorite place, um, Kochhaus. <laughs> we need to get them a sponsor, by the way. Um, so there was a recipe a couple of weeks ago that has lamb um, with um, some fancy salad and with duka. And I went and uh, got it. Um, I'm not a big fan of lamb, usually because lamb uh, um, sometimes t tastes very strange to me. Yeah, well, that's when it's with older, young, good Young lamb, baby sheep. Like baby. In, the late, in the last episode, we talked about the baby sheep yeah. and how weird it was eating it, and it's delicious. Yeah, so um, anyway, I was brave, and I uh, bought this recipe, and it has this ha had this strange thing du called duka. Um, and so we prepared everything, and then we put the duka on it, and it was so amazing. What's duka? Duka. Oh my God! It has uh, sesame seeds in it, uh, anise, mm -hmm. uh, kreuzkümmel. I don't know the word in English for that. Kümmel uh, is cumin. Cumin, some kind yeah. of cumin, and also a little bit of salt. I could imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's um, so. Next time when we talk about something like this, we need to have the the the, the, the package next to we us. Can read it. So, but you can Google it. Um, I would strongly D U C C A. Yeah, I would really, really strongly encourage you to go to Amazon or to do just spices uh, .de and get duka. It's so amazing. You can put it on everything. Since then, we are pumpkin. Put, pumpkin, that's great. Yeah, we put it on everything. And also, the great thing is, you can eat it uh, like Italian style mm -hmm. um, with uh, just oil and salt. So you put a... Um, you don't uh, even need salt. So you just get some bread, uh, yeah. dunk the bread in oil, dunk it in the duca powder yeah. and just eat, eat it. it. Fun fact, by the way, I, I, I read recently that this um, that this, that this um, um, habit of um, um, eating bread with, with, with oil and salt is not even Italian. It's just something that uh, Germans made up. <sighs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> um, so we have any Italian listeners please let us know if you in in Italy do that actually because in Germany it's a big thing it's a big thing to, to like seem sophisticated when you are in a restaurant then you and you ask the waiter for can I have a little little thing that I can put my oil and my salt in and then you put your baguette in it yeah I think I've had it in Australia years ago I think I was at a vineyard once and they, they had that um where you dunk it in oil and then dunk it in, yeah. in But salt. apparently Italians don't do that. Yeah, I lived in Italy for a while and I don't remember them doing it, so it might be true. <laughs> it's an urban myth. It's an urban myth. <laughs> so, by the way, Duca, go and get it. Okay, thank you for listening. Um, we will keep you. Uh, we will keep our um, interesting stories coming. And if you want to ask us any questions, you can find our email on our website. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the worshipful company of oddity mongers. Bye. Bye.